The Christian journey is like a mountain climb with Jesus as our mountain guide leading the way. It can be difficult. We are called to follow Jesus and live in accordance with His ways, but His ways may be counter to our natural instincts or cultural norms. The only way to reach the summit is to stay connected to Jesus. Prayer is our primary way of staying connected to Him, but sometimes we may not know how to pray or what to say. Just as a novice climber may ask a seasoned guide for help navigating the mountain, Jesus' disciples, who were more familiar with prayer than we are, asked Him to teach them how to pray. What we call the Lord's Prayer is Jesus' response, offering us a pattern to follow in our own prayers. Over the last three weeks, we have begun our journey by taking a closer look at who Jesus teaches us we are praying to. Our Father, who resides in heaven, whose name is holy. Last week, we studied the phrase, holy is your name, and discovered God's holiness means that he is wholly different than us. When we get a glimpse of God's holiness, we are moved to deep humility, for he is God, and we are not. Today, the prayer changes focus. Now, Jesus instructs us on what to ask for. Today, Jesus instructs us to first pray, Thy kingdom come. As we will discover, His kingdom often conflicts with the kingdoms of this world. Jesus is teaching us to pray courageously. We don't begin our prayers with a sweet request for peace or a vague hope to feel better. Rather, we pray that God's kingdom will come into our lives. Let's continue this ascent and say, Lord, help us on this climb and teach us to pray. So we jump in. There is a teaching guide in the handout that you were given on the way in, or there's a teaching handout in the guide that you were giving in. Either, either one of those is accurate. We don't know what to call the things. If you need one and don't have one, would you raise your hand and somebody will bring one to you, or just keep your hand up until you get it if you would like one. Matt James, who comes here, made this awesome alpha sign for us. Isn't this the coolest alpha sign? And I just want to personally invite you to consider signing up for Alpha. As Danya mentioned, a great way to explore big questions, a great way to connect with others, to build relationship. It's happening Wednesday nights. It includes a meal together free of charge, um, a topic that most of us uh, are asking questions about, and then some discussion. We'd love for you to join Alpha. And this will probably not be the last time I point back at the sign right here, because um, I would love to see you at Alpha. It's going to be a great uh, time. Uh, in a few moments, we're going to ask for you to interact with the conversation we're having together. Um, the phone number that you will text in is on the screen. It's also in the, the handout that you were given. OK. Well, let's stand and let's read our scripture Together you read the words in yellow, I'll read the words in white. Matthew 3, 1 through 2. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Matthew 6, 33. 
but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew, oh, it's not 6.33, I think it's 13. <laughs> that's, a, that's a mistake that I made. That's my fault, okay. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you can be seated. <clears throat> I was approached uh, last fall um, asking, why is it that we use the old language, thy or hallowed, in the Lord's Prayer? Why haven't we updated it like some other churches have? Um, why not say your kingdom come or holy is your name as opposed to hallowed? And my response was simple. We have people in our congregation who are over 80 years of age. Um, uh, actually, Oma, uh, Andrea Larson's mom, just passed on a week and a half ago. She's 98 years old. We miss Oma. There's going to be a memorial down the road for her. We'll, we'll tell you about that. But 98 years old, and she was, she was in church just a couple of months ago. And then we also have new babies among us. Congratulations to Rachel and Brendan, and also Ben and Bethany, who have welcomed new babies. So it, do you see the span, the lifetime span that is in our congregation? 1924, when Oma was born, all the way up to 2023, some new ones. And that their lifetime is anything like Oma's, they're, they're going to extend all the way to 2021. At any given time, the congregation spans almost 200 years. Isn't that incredible? Well, many older people have learned this older language and so we connect back with them as we move into the future by using a language that they're connected with. This creates the possibility of our language creating connections between the generations as opposed to doing what our culture is always doing, which is renewing and revising things, including language, so that only the newer generations are included. That's why we use some of the older language. Most things in life are fitted towards current generations. We can use this language to connect the generations together. So if you've had that question, there is a simple response. And if anybody wants to talk more about that, we'd be glad. Okay, on to the message. Thy kingdom come. The Lord's Prayer, as I'm seeing it, and maybe you're experiencing as well, is a daring prayer. It is not like a domesticated spiritual utterance, but rather it's a regular meaty mantra that we pray. So we would be willing to ascend to the heights of courage while everyone else in this world is stuck at base camp, shackled by fear. This prayer, oh man, it's a courageous prayer. Thy kingdom come, your kingdom come. So. What is the kingdom of God? Out of the infinite wisdom of the triune God, Jesus was sent to inaugurate the rescue plan of the whole world. The world had lost its way. Humanity had lost its way. And Jesus was sent. And his death that we celebrate, his resurrection that we celebrate, his ascension to heaven that we celebrate, all affirm his lordship and secured victories over the powers of this fallen world. 
But before his death and his resurrection and his ascension, he taught his followers away, <laughs> as Laney taught us. He often taught with stories and parables to illustrate what his kingdom would be like and how his followers would interact with the world. And now that he is resurrected, now that he is the ascended king, his followers, you and I, are to live as signposts, witnesses to his kingdom and his rule. He has left us a way. Here is the way, now walk ye in it, the old language. Here's the way, now walk in it. So to, uh, to illustrate, let's talk about anchor points. Um, wise climbers climb with anchor points. Tom Cruise doesn't. Let's take a look. just hanging there one-handed, just chilling like a boss. And then watch this, watch this. Oh! What is that, the inverted hang? I don't know, what do you call that? Any, any rock climbers? Yes, zoom into your face, Tom. You're so calm, cool, collected. Ah, oh. oh, that's, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I know, exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's intense, that's intense. I would suggest that this way that we saw is a great metaphor for how many of us have learned how to follow in the way of Jesus. We've got to figure this out on our own. Now, um, I know you didn't know this by looking at me, um, but I'm not a climber, and so... <laughs> I, I don't possess the upper body strength that corresponds to my lower body weight. I just, I don't, yeah. I have the upper body strength of a seven-year-old. Gerbil, that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, despite no rock climbing experience for fear of embarrassment <laughs> and death, I understand, I understand the value of fixed anchor points. Now, fixed anchor points are drilled into rock or ice by expert climbers so that future climbers can hook into the system and follow a way up the rock face, ensuring success for their climb. Jesus, he's our lead climber who has established a route of fixed anchors that securely are fastened into the rock of reality. I appreciate that Laney said that. Jesus doesn't just provide a way that is, you know, like how to make it in this world, but it's the way that the world was created to be. It takes some amount of effort to overcome the gravity of this world and the, the way that the world sees things, but Jesus has marked a way. And his route is the way, and he is the destination both. That, is, uh, that way is called the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. So I have three points explaining what is uh, 
the kingdom. What are we praying for? Your kingdom come, thy kingdom come. Number one, the kingdom of God is a place of peace, justice, and righteousness, and a place where God's will is done. Among us, we create that place. In the teachings of Jesus, the kingdom of God is a central theme. Jesus speaks as the kingdom, as a place of peace, justice, and righteousness where God's will is done. Stanley Hauerwas, who is a theologian and an ethicist, he notes that Jesus' proclamation of the kingdom of God is a summons to a different kind of life, a life that is not about individual salvation, but about the transformation of the world. Shane Claiborne, a Christian activist and author, he further emphasizes that the kingdom of God is not a place, but a way of life, a way of living in right relationship with God and each other. Hmm. Our nation, again, is reeling because of a lack of peace, justice, and righteousness. Now, we don't have to look beyond our own city, our own lives, um, whether the topic is crime or rampant systemic injustices, but the nation's eyes, again, have been drawn to Memphis this week. The violent uh, death of Tyre Nichols reminds reminds us of deep historic wounds and injustices. We need to keep praying. Thy kingdom come. We need to follow Jesus into the future. We as Jesus followers must be the first to affirm good police officers. There are so many good police officers. Praise God. But also to reject the temptation to overlook abuse and to overlook these dynamics that seem to keep happening. We pray, your kingdom come, thy kingdom come. In Matthew chapter three, verse two, John the Baptist, he says starkly, as prophets often do, he was preparing the way for the Lord, and he starkly says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Turn away from doing it on your own, or according to a a wrong anchor point system that is leading you down into destruction. The gospel writer Matthew, who introduced us to John the Baptist there in chapter three, he describes this utterance of John because he is setting the table for what Jesus will do. Jesus ushers in the kingdom of heaven and then Jesus gathers disciples or what we call ourselves apprentices unto himself and teaches us to live in a new way the way of his kingdom, a place of peace, of justice, a place of righteousness. Number two, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is led by King Jesus. In Stanley Hauerwas' commentary on the gospel of Matthew, he marvels at how Jesus is our master who can call us into a revolutionary life that is unparalleled. He points this out. I love this. He says, Jesus didn't learn from another master, but is the master. (laughs) Jesus wasn't taught a way, but rather he was the perfect embodiment of the way that we are to be in this world. He's not constructed a way to navigate this life and kind of get through it and make the best of it, but rather he sets a way of life 
that works with the way that the universe was created. A place of peace, justice, righteousness, where God's will is done. Anything other than following the way of Jesus slips into following the ways of this fallen world, which is ruled by the prince of lies, the prince of darkness. So the kingdom of heaven is not a far off place, but the Jesus follower is called by Jesus to be a witness and a signpost to the coming kingdom by how we conduct our lives now. It is revolutionary. It is not necessarily intuitive even though it is so contrary uh, to many of the ways of the world, the way of Jesus' kingdom is ultimately what we all want. Peace, justice, righteousness, where God's will is done. God himself, in the form of Jesus, was able to show us that way and invites us to live into it. Danya and commenting on the message, she says, we all want peace. We all want justice. We all want righteousness. But the price is high. These things come at a cost. Submission to Jesus. What we all long for is for life in this reality that we live in to mirror how God made the world and humans to be. This is what the kingdom of heaven is. Mirroring his way back here on earth. We pray, thy kingdom come, your way, a place, a people, a peace, justice, and righteousness where your will is done. Matthew Bates, in his book, Gospel Allegiance, calls the gospel of Jesus Christ the royal gospel. I like that. Because Jesus is our king to whom we pledge ultimate allegiance we do not pledge allegiance to anything with just a thought or idea or a mental assent. Like, <laughs> okay, I agree to that. That's true. But rather true allegiance is giving our whole bodies, our whole very lives to this new way. And that the, the true way of following Jesus, the true way of faith is that we give everything to this one who invites us to live in a way that is so different than those who are living around us live. We are citizens of his kingdom. We pray, thy kingdom come into my life and into our world. Your kingdom come. In this, we have to pray. Lord, help us to continue to partner with what your Holy Spirit is doing. You are transferring us into the kingdom of Jesus. We've had citizenship somewhere else, and now we have a new citizenship. We have, we have new privileges, and we have new obligations, and we have new responsibilities. Our friend William, who you'll see at the end of the service, we're going to pray for him and Emily as they head back to Kenya for a couple of weeks. But he was just given U.S. citizenship. And he has new responsibilities. He has new allegiances. In a similar way, the kingdom of Jesus, we are given this new citizenship with rights and responsibilities. We've been transferred. We don't belong to the kingdom of this world anymore. Paul writes this. In Colossians 1, he says, For he, praise God, rescued us from the domain of darkness. Somebody say amen. And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Everybody say amen. amen. In whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And amen. Oh, man. <laughs> You're becoming a community I want to preach to now. 
Amen. That's what he said. Okay, here we go. <laughs> we, many of us have been steeped in the idea that God forgives sins, which is so true, that is so key, that's so paramount. We've talked about that the last couple of weeks. But we should not overlook that he transferred us into a whole new identity, a whole new citizenship in which we learn the rights, the privileges, the responsibilities to live in this new way. We've been transferred into. We've been rescued from the death-dealing ways of the world. And we're set free to live in the world as the king intends us to live. And how do we do that? The third point, the kingdom of God comes by our repentance. Oh, repent. John's invitation the kingdom of God is near or it's here or it's at hand. Jesus said the kingdom is among you. It's right there. So what do you do? You repent from your allegiance to this kingdom. And we repent. That invitation to repent has reverberated on down through church history, reaching every individual. And it finds its way to us today. Repent simply means I'm going in this direction <laughs> now I'm going in this direction, which reminds me, are you signed up for Alpha? <laughs> really would like you to be there and have these discussions and learn along with me. <laughs> that wasn't in the notes, but I think that worked. Did that work, James? Yeah, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> we take up Jesus' ways when we repent. We turn towards him in his way, which are the way of peace, justice, and righteousness, where God's will is done. So let's compare and contrast a few of the ways of the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of Jesus. And these are just a, a small sample of some of the things that Jesus teaches us. And you'll probably discover some ways that demand your repentance. And I just want to remind you, as we uh, you know, think of Jesus as our lead climber, and there could be an anchor point, and you're like, I don't like that anchor point. I think that should be over there. Who gets to set the anchor point? The lead climber. So it demands our repentance, not his. God doesn't repent. <laughs> you understand that? <laughs> okay, okay. All right. So the ways of the world. There we go. We got, okay. You're happy when you're happy, which is a silly phrase. I think that's the way that our world tends to think. Like you're happy when you're happy. Whatever makes you happy, get to that because you are happy when you're happy. And that's the only way the world knows to do it. You're, you're happy when you're happy. What makes you happy? Uh, having what you want. Okay, that makes you happy. The way of Jesus. Jesus outlines this in the Beatitudes. Blessed, or we've described this word to me, flourishing. Flourishing are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are those who know their need for God. That's when you actually will be content. Guys, I was on an early morning walk over the last couple of weeks. And you know, early mornings are dark and cold. And I'm on like this intense, if you ever see me like walking around say, let me know this intense walk, trying to get the heart rate up. And I'm going up this hill near our house and it's dark and I have a headlamp on, you know, and this German shepherd kid you not, unleashed out of a yard, roo, 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 comes at me and charges at me. And I like stir, you know, I, I turn and face the German shepherd, and I'm like, roo, roo, roo. no, I wasn't. <laughs> I felt like it. I was like, I speak your language right now. I was like, go home. And, you know, and he's like, Rrr, and then he went home. His owner came out and was just like, what's going on? 
didn't say anything. I take two more steps, it comes at me again. The headlamp, you know what it does? It makes the dog's eyes green. <laughs> a green-eyed monster charged me again. <laughs> you know, came after me. I'm like, go home. And I was like, get your dog. And the owner's like, oh, oh, oh. I'm yelling, the dog is yelling. <laughs> dog retreats a third time. And I'm like, go home. Man, adrenaline? Anyone? Yeah. I keep going. The Lord drops in my heart. This is what happens when you're on the road with me. There will be attacks by the enemy, but you won't be touched. I am with you. Stay on the path. It's like, oh my gosh. And that moment of the vulnerability that I felt, I had a fresh experience of my need for God and a fresh encounter. Once I knew my need for him, he was there. And I think that's us. But the way the world says, you know, you're happy when everything is just fine and the neighbor does his job. <laughs> huh? All right. I might do that for the rest of the sermon, as well as, have you signed up for Alpha? <laughs> I really would like to see you there on Wednesday nights. There's a free meal involved. The next one, happy, uh, can we go to the next one? Happy are the self-proclaimed right ones. Ah, man, this is, there's noise all over our culture. Social media crusaders on a mission to be right. You know, I love the word that the world has given these people, Trolls. <laughs> and it's like, you'll be happy when you're the troll that wins everything. But the way of Jesus, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Happy are those, flourishing are those who show mercy. The way of the world, powerful and important people. They're the ones that make the world go around. Well, we notice even when things like what happened in Memphis is just so tragic and confusing and discombobulating. Where do, they, where do the eyes go? to Washington, D.C. Somebody powerful needs to make something happen. And we need to get somebody powerful to make something happen. And there's a place for that conversation of who should be in the seats of power. But Jesus, he says this, he says, you are the salt of the earth, you. And he wasn't talking to like the kings and the rulers and the authorities. He was talking to like normal people like you and I, blue collar, regular people. You are the salty, salty that you're the ones that preserve. He says, you are the light of the world. Like you. They would have been like, what, what about the kings and the, the important people? Jesus is like, oh, in my, in my kingdom, you, as you walk in mercy and love, as you know your need for God, you are the one that flavors the world, preserves the world, and actually shines light into the world. The final one, just, and again, love your friends. Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you guys have heard me talk about this a lot. <laughs> and if you've been around for a while, you know where I come from when it comes to love. Like, this is it. This is central to the gospel. So I feel like I kind of, I understand this one. I was on a walk the other night. It's always on. I'm on a walk or I'm going somewhere. Something happens to me. I was on a walk the other night and it was a busy road and this guy's coming right at me. And so I'm like, okay, I'll take the, 
I'll take the lane of the sidewalk that is closest to the road out of like a goodwill gesture to, you know, I'll be the one hit by a car. You don't have to be. And so I'm walking and he continues to walk right at me and he's looking at me. He just keeps walking and he just keeps walking, looking at me and he doesn't move to the other side of the sidewalk. He doesn't move. So I step into the road and then I turn around and I'm like, you all right, bud? You know what I was doing right there? I was like, oh, or was this going to be a little testosterone battle? (laughs) Because I know a guy with a dog. That's what I am. (laughs) He's like, you good, bro? Better get out of the road. That's what he said. Better get out of the road. I was like, oh, man. And then, you know, I was like, do you know what I mean? Maybe it's just the guys. Maybe girls feel this too. I don't know. It was like, suddenly I'm like in this thing of like, he's my enemy. Ha, bless those who persecute you. This is not the way that is natural. Requires repentance. That's the kingdom. Now, I hope you don't get me wrong as I just kind of draw our attention to the ways of life. The way of Jesus isn't just about following a set of rules or just, you know, behaviorism, but it is about living in allegiance to King Jesus. Imperfectly, but ever moving more and more towards the next anchor point, his way, and allowing him to lead us to the heights. We pray, your kingdom come, thy kingdom come into my life. Okay, now we get to hear from you. And this week, I've asked different questions um, that require a little bit of reflection. They're in your handout. We're still going to give you three minutes to text in some responses. And here's the prompts. As we again observe Ethan Hunt, or Tom Cruise, go it alone, I want you to compare and contrast your spiritual practices with him. Here's the questions you can answer. Do you tend to go it alone? Who are you allowing to help guide you on your journey? And how are you following them in humility? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So we're following people that have ascended. The second question. This is great. Donnie came up with this question. If you change nothing about your life, your behavior patterns, your financial decisions, your time usage, your church attendance, What will the next 5, 10, 30 years produce? What do you need to repent of to bear the fruit of the kingdom? So we're going to give you three minutes. And just just a reminder that I'm not going to share like who said what to me. It will be anonymous. But if you still don't want me to share what you write, please start your text with the word private. Okay? So those are two questions. And then... um, and you probably won't be able to answer both of them unless you're like a super typer or something. Um, but um, yeah, you have three minutes and then we'll just hear what's in the room before we finish with just uh, asking, why do we pray uh, thy kingdom come? Okay, you have three minutes.
Thank you. Many, many good responses, and several of you got to both questions. It's really impressive. <clears throat> um, somebody said, who is Ethan Hunt? And uh, <laughs> thank you. I'm sure you're not the only one that was confused. That was the character played by Tom Cruise. And yeah, so that's who Ethan uh, Hunt is. Uh, yeah, okay, so I'm just going to read some responses. I'm going to save this one for a minute. Okay, so somebody said, I'm struggling with how to be the spiritual leader of my family when my husband is not a believer. Hmm. I know you, whoever this person is, you're not alone with, with that. Um, I believe that God has grace and handholds. Yeah. I'm glad you're here or, or watching online, wherever you are. Ah. <clears throat> uh, Okay, in regards to question number one, this person wrote, I feel like I used to uh, uh, use my own effort and hard work and then pray for help in my plan as opposed for, to praying for guidance for the start. So saw themselves as kind of making their own way and then being like, like God, I'm here. Now can you help me? <laughs> you know, you know, that's a great picture that just came to mind. Is, yeah. And then number two... What do you, you know, if, if you, over time, did not change how you were doing things, where, what would it be? And, and this person just said, I need to use my time, money, and attention um, uh, for uh, the advancement of God's kingdom and, and not myself. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Um, <clears throat> great reflection. Okay. Let's see. Thank you. This is quite a response, type and fast. If I were to change nothing about the way I live my life, the next years of my life would produce someone who, according to the world's standards, would be successful and seem to have their life together. But to God's standards, I would have the wrong priorities. You have to lose your life to gain it. Slowly, I've worked to put my life's focus on God and what his will is instead of my own goals. But it is a long process to change my focus. And as a very goal-oriented person, it's hard. I have to work hard daily to make my goal to serve God, not to serve my own desires for my life. Wow. Tremendous. Paul says to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And this is what this person is saying. We're, this is something that we, we don't just receive as a nice thought, but it's a way. Wow. Somebody else wrote, if I were to change nothing about the way I act, I would drown by the stress and drown by the weight of actions in my past. I would feel a pressure of guilt and a pressure of failure. I would repent on the actions of which I handle stressful situations. I just recognize, oh, the way of the world is very clear what its outcomes will be. Stress, broken relationship. I mean, all, we, we know if we keep following that, that's what the fruit will be. Jesus said, uh, you'll be known by your fruit. You can judge a tree by its fruit. If we want that good fruit, we have to invest in the soil of our lives, invest and following the way of the king. I'm mixing metaphors all the time. It's like soil up the face of the mountain. I don't know. Okay. I think you guys get it. Yeah. 
This person wrote, I'm always tempted to go it alone. Uh, You'll relate to this, I'm sure. Until life gets too hard or confusing or pushes me to reach to Jesus in my community. Anybody else relate to that? It is the temptation. It is the, it is the soul. It is one of the, the primary um, uh, ways that our world teaches to think about us, that we are individual actors in the world, that, that you should be able to figure it out on your own. But really, you're a social creature. You need, you need the community. Yeah, but it is a temptation always for us. This person wrote, I have been going at it alone for a long time. It is not easy and I need community. My family is not exactly on board and it feels like I'm shoving Christ down their throats. I am a firm believer that if I keep following, eventually my, my family will follow suit. Yeah. I feel as though I need to lay down my cross for Christ and let him be in control. I need to repent and let Christ lead me and stop trying to do it myself. Amen. Amen. His desire for you is life. Yeah. Oh, man. Lots of great responses. I won't be able to get to them all. This person wrote, this message will self-destruct in 30 seconds. (laughs) And then this person wrote, I do go it alone because I was beaten to believe to pick myself up by my bootstraps. And you can't trust the people of this earth. We are human. We fail. We lie. We mistrust. We hurt people. But I'm continuing to follow examples of grace, like the New Hope community who weekly gather and routinely model boundless compassion. Jesus' community is my lead climber. What a beautiful reflection. Oof. This person said, like, are you trying to go it alone? This person said, I allow people I trust, like friends and mentors, help guide me. I follow them in humility by listening to their advice, even when it doesn't make sense to me right away. Oh, Lord, let it be so for all of us. Yeah. This person said this, even though I'm 70, I still see the importance of a spiritual mentor, someone who has walked ahead and knows the way. She has wisdom that I need. Praise God. Praise God. We were raised to work hard and be self-sufficient. I need to relearn that hard work is important, but people and community is of more value. You guys are just speaking so many truths. So true. All right. (laughs) Got some comedians in here. I asked Jesus to help me up the mountain and then help get me safely down. Then I forget to ask him to help me find my car. (laughs) I always need his help and instruction. Oh, that's so good. All right. All right, I'm, I'm going to respond to some of you guys during the week and just there's some questions and some good stuff here. 
The final one, or the final one that I'm going to read, was the first one that came through, and it brings an important point up, a challenge, <clears throat> having to do with Memphis. This person asks, how can we as Christians create space for bringing God's will of justice and peace and healing for an entire race of people who have been historically and are currently being oppressed? How can we take action to promote healing, advocate for oppressed people, and separate ourselves from the cultural perception that we indirectly support the enforcing bodies that have been killing people unjustly? Thank you for posing that very real, accurate, courageous question. No simple response to that at all, to that at all. But maybe it, maybe it leads us into what I first said, that the prayer itself is not a spiritual platitude, but rather is a mantra that causes us to be courageous so we'd be willing to ascend to the heights of this kind of conversation. That we'd be willing to both affirm the value of law enforcement and also to recognize systemic injustices and evils that come in. The kingdom gives us courage to be merciful to those who have been broken, to hold people accountable, and also to give healing and grace for those who have experienced hundreds and hundreds of years of systemic oppression. It gives us courage to recognize the factors that are at play within these things and to be able to not just know them, but to do something about when we say thy kingdom come, we are asking Lord maker of heaven and earth who saw it fit that you would send your son to die for justice to come. You sent your son to be resurrected so that mercy would come. You sent your son to be ascended, to be back with the father so his kingship would be the king that rules over the land. We are courageous to ask ourselves, how is it that we engage with this? Why do we pray thy kingdom come? Because there is a kingdom coming. It isn't just no kingdom. There is a kingdom coming. We want his kingdom. The kingdom of darkness is coming too. It's on the offensive. And we want his kingdom to come. The political arrangement that we are born into has an effect on our lives and demands on our time and our whole, our whole existence. And the prevailing worldly kingdom that has these fruits that we're like, what is wrong with this? Demands that we pray your kingdom come into these things. We do not excuse any part of the brokenness of our world, but rather we pray your kingdom come. We pray that Jesus' kingdom would indeed come. Our Father, who resides within the heavens, that space just beyond, whose name is holy, your kingdom of justice, your kingdom of peace, your kingdom of righteousness, your kingdom where your will is done, let it come. Amos describes God's heart. He says, 
but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever flowing stream. Let justice roll down just as a flash flood creates a whole new ravine as the water flows from the top of the mountain down into the world. So we too must pray that God's justice would roll down off the very mountain of the power of God and come into our world and create a new ravine, would create a new identity, would create an impulse with us to resist the damaging and the demonic forces in this world, that we would stand firm against them, that we would stand with the vulnerable, that we would stand with the impotent, we would stand with the powerless, we would stand with the oppressed, we would stand with those who have been killed, those who have been murdered at the hands of others, and we would stand and say, it shall not be. Your kingdom come, that we will stand for life in all of its forms, whether it's the unborn baby in the womb or whether it's the old person that is suffering, that we would stand for life. Whether it's the people that are being oppressed, we would stand for life, that we believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we would pray, your kingdom come. Let justice roll down. Let it come off the mountain of God and create a whole new way. We have not yet seen the kingdom come. And so we need to pray, your kingdom come to earth as it already is in heaven. And let us be courageous enough to do that, to dream that, to pray for that. The recent rains in California has created this snowpack. I don't know if you've seen the stats. This stored energy in, in the mountains now that as the spring comes, water will come rushing. The resources of heaven are enough to create new streams in the desert, to create living opportunities for people to experience life. The grace of God that can come to the murderer the grace of God that can come to a victim's family both. The resources of heaven rolling down. Let justice flow and let mercy come. This is, what, this is the audacity that Jesus asked us to pray. Your kingdom come to earth. It's big. We should be the most courageous community in the world. Willing to talk about things that drive people into angry corners. <laughs> and I hope that we will continue to be. Mm -hmm.